Hello and welcome to Middle East Matters for the special program on France 24 covering the earthquake across Turkey and Syria. I'm Jean-Emile Jamin. Coming up on the show, we unpack one of the most destructive natural disasters to hit the region in decades. Thousands have been killed, with many more injured after two large quakes struck on Monday. Relief efforts are still underway with a host of nations sending aid. But time is running out to save as many as possible while new threats begin to emerge. Well, we start first, though, with this image of a woman in the southwestern Turkish port town of Hatay, one of the most affected regions. The woman is clearly under distress. Lots of re emergency relief teams trying to sift through the rubble around her. Well, search teams and emergency aid have poured into Turkey and Syria. Rescuers digging through the remains of buildings flattened by that magnitude 7.8 earthquake on Monday morning. Destruction from that quake stretching hundreds of kilometers across southwestern Turkey and neighboring Syria. Oliver Ferry takes us through that harrowing day. At 4.17am local time, the ground and the walls shook. A 7.8 magnitude earthquake that struck the southeast of Turkey and neighbouring Syria. This security camera footage from a shop in the town of Gaziantep shows the moment it struck. It was a quake that came at the worst possible time as people slept in their beds. As you can see, there's a dead body here. He is dead and nobody has removed him. And I can hear a woman's voice underneath. We heard them. They're calling out, asking for help. They asked to be rescued. We cannot rescue them. The devastated area was about 500 kilometers wide. First responders got to work as soon as they could looking for survivors, but conditions are extremely difficult as aftershocks continue to bring down already fragile buildings. Later in the morning at around 11.30, one of those aftershocks, almost as strong as the original quake hit. This journalist struggled to stay on his feet during his report. People in Syria were also badly hit. In this town in Idlib province where war still continues, the majority of buildings have collapsed. The wall fell on my son. I managed to save him. Countries immediately stepped up. France has sent 140 civil defense rescue workers to Turkey. They will work alongside rescuers from other European countries. Even Ukraine and Russia, both at war, have offered aid. But it's a race against time. With each passing day, the chances of finding survivors beneath the rubble diminishes. Well, Turkey is no stranger to earthquakes. It's seen many in the past, including a devastating quake in 1999 where 17,000 people lost their lives. And that's because the country is located at the intersection of several tectonic plates. Kamil Knight explains the geographical risk posed to Turkey. It's a seismic zone that's long been high on scientists' radar. 
Most of Turkey is located on the Anatolian tectonic plate. Problem is, this plate is sandwiched between two others. It's pushed from the south by the Arabian plate, but blocked to the north by the Eurasian one, which is the third largest in the world. The North Anatolian Fault is the meeting point between the Eurasian and Anatolian plates. It's over a thousand kilometers long, and the plates move by about two centimeters per year. Cutting across the country from east to west, this fault is responsible for a series of destructive earthquakes, including the one that hit Izmit in 1999, costing the lives of at least 17,000 people. Experts say another earthquake of that scale may hit nearby Istanbul before 2030. That's because a segment of the fault located in the Sea of Marmara hasn't seen any seismic activity since the 18th century. But Monday's earthquake is linked to a different meeting of plates. It's the East Anatolian Fault, the border between the Arabian and Anatolian plates, located in the southeast of the country. It may not be as long as the Northern Fault, but that doesn't make it any less dangerous. Located close to the boundary, the province of Elazığ was impacted by two major earthquakes in 2010 and 2020. On each occasion, over 40 people lost their lives. Well, to discuss the implications of the earthquake on a geopolitical level, I'm now joined in the studio by former president of Doctors Without Borders, Ronnie Brownman. Ronnie, we've seen many countries come to the aid of Turkey and Syria in their own respective ways. We've seen the United States, China, Russia. But a lot of those countries have diplomatic issues ongoing. How do they come together and help as a united front? Well, this is, uh, <clears throat> in a way, a tradition. When there is a major uh, natural disaster, there is a kind of suspension of hostilities. We've seen this for, in Pakistan, we've seen this in uh, Turkey uh, uh, before. So I hope, for instance, that the sanctions that against Syria are going to be at least eased, maybe not entirely lifted, but at least eased in order to allow uh, relief goods and everything that is needed to, uh, to operate, the, I mean, to, to rescue the, the, the people to function uh, correctly. Let's hope also that the crossings at the border between Turkey and Syria, there were four of them uh, allowing uh, relief goods to cross the border between Turkey and Syria in the, in the old times. Now it's only, there's only one crossing. Uh, we urgently need to reopen uh, the three other uh, crossings in order to uh, let the relief goods uh, reach those who mostly uh, uh, need it. Well, to discuss all of those humanitarian issues facing rescue workers, I now have the pleasure of being joined by Ayam Taha. He works for CARE uh, and he is a humanitarian food security and livelihoods advisor for the organization. Ayam, I believe you are in the sanctuary of your car right now, still shielding from the earthquake. What have you seen in terms of the problems facing rescue efforts? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. In regards to you and to your guest, uh, basically, the south of Turkey, where I live in Gaziantep, uh, which is neighboring several cities such as Kahraman, Marash, Antakya, Adana, Urfa, and many other towns and and uh, cities were affected. Uh, in Gaziantep, I'm parking now in open space where it's safer than being uh, indoors, considering uh, the safety measures and also cracked buildings that till now they are standing and they need evaluate, technical evaluation. Uh, basically, uh, shops currently are closed, mostly closed. We cannot access food items. We cannot access bread because uh, of lack of energy. And this is something very essential for, for, for the communities. Rescue teams are currently overwhelmed um, 
with with the high number of damaged buildings you can see uh, the building uh, picture that i have shared with you which is basically uh, five buildings away from my house which makes me realize how real it was and how close it was to me and to my family um, i mean support is needed in, in all shapes literally in all shapes uh, starting from food items to, to whatever reconstruction support is needed. But we are starting immediately now to look at uh, what could be done to save people's lives. This has all happened basically when it was dark because there was electricity cut, it was cold, uh, it was snowing, and then later heavily raining, which makes it even more difficult to rescue teams to assess access and start rescuing this delayed the, the support a little bit and made it uh, made it more complicated for syria unfortunately uh the, the capacity is very limited to rescue people uh especially in in the north northern part in Aleppo governorate and north uh no, and the northwest idlib as well governorate where camps uh, that's that's maybe an irony but tents were safer than very basic cheap buildings that immediately were dis uh, destroyed because of because of the earthquake and uh, unfortunately numbers are keep increasing now in both sides of the border in Turkey and Syria uh, Ronnie on that point what would you like to see being done uh, in terms of countries working together and going forward well I am said very clearly there is a need for uh, food drinking water shelter uh, heat guns generators uh, uh, and also uh, engineering, we need to, to clear the rubble in order to make uh, the, the access to the heat areas uh, 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 easier. And this is also the, the army. This is something that the army uh, only can do because uh, these are huge logistical challenges and only armies have the resources, the material resources to overcome uh, these uh, uh, challenges. So. Given the, the magnitude of this disaster, I, th I, I hope there's going to be a massive coalition of goodwill uh, in order to rescue those, those people. This is not uh, granted, uh, because we know that uh, Turkey and Syria have a bad image uh, in the West, uh, that, uh, well, Turkey is a member of NATO, but uh, as we all know, uh, it's a, a very special uh, member of uh, NATO, and, and Syria is, the, is uh, hit by uh, sanctions due to the way they conducted the, the war uh, over the past uh, 10 years. So I think that this is gonna, going to be forgotten for a while uh, for the sake of uh, rescuing uh, people who don't have anything to do with those uh, uh, serious geopolitical issues. Uh, I am just back to you in terms of what threats are now facing people who have been pulled from the wreckage. Uh, just a quick word on uh, how we aim to support these people. So, yeah, that's that's essential basically to better understand the, the roadmap to support the people. So in Turkey, there is uh, there is a request for support from from Afad and from the authorities, and we are basically as Care Turkey and Care Confederation, we are looking at. Uh, strong coordination to make it possible to support and ease life of these people, those people who are affected. While in the northwest of Syria, logistic support uh, in the northwest Syria is essential because this is not really available. And this is something local um, 
communities are struggling to rescue people because of the, some of them, they are trying to use their hands basically to rescue people, which is something making uh, things takes longer than, than expected and we are losing more lives. Over. Thank you so much. Uh, I am Taha. He is the Humanitarian Food Security and Livelihoods Advisor for the humanitarian organization CARE, currently in Gaziantep. And uh, thank you to Ronnie Brahman, the former president of Doctors Without Borders. And from you, thank you for joining us on this Middle East Matters special. Un diablo. It's as if a devil had killed everything that was here. We revisit La Palma a year after the eruption of the Cumbre Vieja volcano, which brought... Well, it was there. It's very difficult to see your whole life's work destroyed. We feel abandoned, cheated, excluded. I'm more worried about the future than what's happened. I see the future in a very dark way. I think if everything goes well, in July, August, we'll be able to have a banana tree here. Watch La Palma, Volcano Revisited, on France 24.